We've got a code. Use code VOLLEYPOD for 20% off almost anything on the Art of Coaching Volleyball website, including premium memberships, coaching resources, and nearly all books. That's VOLLEYPOD, V-O-L-L-E-Y-P-O-D. Use it to save anytime you're on the site. Are you ready to take your volleyball game to the next level? Every week on the VolleyPod, we talk to two top coaches who share their secrets for success on the court. From drills to build skills to strategies for boosting confidence, you won't want to miss this valuable advice. Tune in now and elevate your game today. Good morning and welcome to the VolleyPod. How are you today, Todd? Davis, I'm doing well. Give me a uh, little club update now. We're getting uh, into the, what is it, about a, a little more than a month left now? Yeah, it's coming down to it. All right. Are your season. practices looking different? Different? What's going on right now? I Fingers crossed we've turned a corner. Okay. We are becoming more competitive. I'm so serious. It was like dragging them outside, but it was. it's getting better. I'm serious. We've had some good practices, and we're being more competitive consistently. We're gearing up for AAU Nationals. We're going to be in the Premier Division. So they know that that's a really competitive division. Okay. And so they've sort of changed their mindset a little bit. Oh, nice. And so I can be a little tougher on them, and they're getting a little bit more out of themselves. Oh, nice. You know what we instituted? Just a real small side note. We instituted a snack break. You know, I know Ojan is into the snack break. I didn't hear that from Ojan. I just did it randomly. But that's cool to know that we're on the same page because we have – longish practices two and a half hours and they would start to check out around two hours and i'm like fighting it you know like what are we gonna do and one of the simple things is i gave them like a four minute break okay and that's it and they just have to snack and chill with each other that's it and all right it's been helpful for a little the refocus hour. yeah a little so. refocus time absolutely um but we're on to the pod today i'm on the skill you're on the skill what do you have for us today the skill is working against the block and I have a first, a really quick story about this. I thought I was a good hitter coming out of junior college. And in, little did I realize I was not a good hitter because, <laughs> <laughs> because I had never worked against the block, like a, okay. a disciplined, bigger block. And as you go up the levels in volleyball, you're invariably going to face more disciplined blocks and bigger blocks. Right. Right. So this pod, uh, the skill is all about how to work against the block effectively. And I love this topic because A was a smaller opposite and I could hit the ball hard. And um, I quickly realized there was a lot more to it than that. So let's get into it a little bit. Cool, I like it. This is just a grab bag of things to think about, but there's two sort of principles I wanted to touch on before we got into it as far as how to work against the block effectively. First of all, blocking is hard, okay? It's one of the hardest skills to do in volleyball. So typically the attacker has the advantage. If we keep that in the back of our mind as an attacker, we tend to get blocked less because you stay in your proactive mindset versus, oh no, you know, they blocked me. You know, what's going to happen? What, they're blocking me now. You know, I really think if you can think I have the advantage, I'm going to be successful against the block. All I have to do is X then you can have a lot more success. You know, the interesting thing is we usually think about this skill as, as a more advanced skill, right? But teaching kids who are beginners uh, 
that concept early, I think is really important because Absolutely. kids get destroyed when they get blocked at the beginning, yeah, right? Exactly. And can we just be like, no, blocks are really bad at your level. Right. It's like a needle in a haystack. They're going to block you and it's going to be so random and so lucky. We're not going to worry about it. Exactly. And it's going to, you're going to get for every time you get blocked, you're going to get five tools. Yes. And so it's good that you're getting blocked. That means that you're moving to more advanced volleyball. Exactly. And so I think doing that from an early age where, you know, I think a lot of, you know, we try to gear this pod to, you know, more beginning coaches and often those beginning coaches are, are coaching beginning teams, but teaching that from the beginning. Absolutely. Well, and I mean, you, you can learn vision, right? There's so many benefits to teaching working against the block at a young age, right? So a lot of times we teach them to hit open net when they're young, and then we complain about them not having attacker vision later on. Right. And if you can just put a blocker in front of them right away, even if that blocker is not going to be roofing the ball per se, it can really help them do a lot of good things attacking wise. I mean, being less linear, and we're going to get into some of these things cool. right now. So I mean, the first thing, and I mentioned this a little bit earlier, but I especially think as you're going up against stronger blocks, hitting hard obviously is super important. You, you do not want to allow yourself to get blocked by a, a poorly formed block. So if you're crushing the ball, you make them have to make a really good block on you. And they can only be in a smaller space if they're making that really well-formed block versus just flying with their hands anywhere, being able to swat stuff right. and dangle around. So hitting the ball super hard, and I know you're big on this too. I, I see, like it. I see too many that are just straight. They, they're like the hammer, hammering the nail versus right. the whip. And I'm really just big on the big, uh, on the whip-like arm swing, right? And so if you can be really corking your upper body against your lower body. Um, that's a big step towards hitting hard, right? It's, we talked about it not being an arm swing. It's a body swing, right? Yep. So crush the ball, right? Second, hit the ball high, right? So once you can hit the ball hard, you need to focus on hitting the ball high above the top of the net. And the only way to do that is by having good shape and spin and a consistent contact point. And one of the little tricks I teach uh, some of our hitters is, I, you just have the blocker make their block and you look at how high they up, how high they are up on the antenna. And if you know how high they are up the antenna, you know how high you need to hit. So in theory, you should never get blocked, right? Unless you let your contact point is low, but you know where the ball should be crossing the net in order to be clipping their fingers every time. And then you throw your hand to that spot. As, as almost like you're reaching into a cookie jar, right? Versus letting your hand come down and letting the ball drop to where the block is. I always talk to my, my attackers right now is if, if you got blocked, you know you hit low and that's a mistake on your part. And it's okay, but you know that they, they're not gonna, you know, jump lower. They're gonna jump their highest every time and you know where that is, right? They're not, they're not mixing it up on their, and how high they jump. So right. you know how high it needs to cross the net. Secondly, show and turn. So by that, I mean, you're going to show one thing and then turn the ball, right? Um, the better blockers know how to read, right? And the, th the simple thing they do will front your approach line. And as an attacker, if you can show one thing in your approach line and then do the next, either take it, you know, inside angle or back to the line or tip or whatever, um, that's going to make it much more difficult on the blocker. I love this one. I think this was undertaught. Absolutely. You know, the, this idea of, hey, as soon as, you know, I, I watch even our hitting warmups, 
and all the kids are just bearing balls low seam and yes. and we and we say hey our rules are you're never gonna hit the same ball twice i like that <laughs> and yes. can you say we want to see the full variety pack and we want to see you you know hitting against the grain yes and I, so love, I love that. One. I love that. And I love the cross body. I love the cross body swing. You see that one really a lot at the higher levels. And I wish there was more of that. I just think everyone's so straight on, right? They yep. face and they go straight on. So I love to show one thing and then do, do the next and be elastic. Right. And to that same sort of to the same point is, can you vary your approach line? Right. Can you come up the line and try to tool the line sometimes, or can you come around a little bit more so that your approach is going more into the sharp? If you're doing that, and you don't have to do it all that much, really, but if you can do that just a little bit, you uh, uh, don't allow the blocker to get comfortable and set their feet, and then that's when they take those big jumps, and that's when they get solid blocks, right? So getting that blocker to be jumping around uncomfortable is a, a key for this. Uh, next, decide later. This is one we're starting to get into now because we're playing some pretty darn big blocking teams, and they can even see sort of the secondary turn. So it's like you approach into the angle, you start to go sharp, and they can like reach into that. So if you decide too soon to hit sharp, they're going to reach in and they will lock out their block and be super strong before you can make your decision or as you're making your decision or just before. And if you can decide after they make their decision, uh, there can be a lot of advantage to that in the blockers. Um, the same idea, again, kind of connected is this idea of hang and bang. So everyone thinks of this idea of, of perfect timing, right? So I want to be on perfect timing, but the best hitters can do a bunch of different timings. They kind of have a secondary swing. They can kind of wait and then hit flat. And I, I just call all those things like the hang and bang, right? Where they can kind of hang and then bang. And just mixing up the timing just the littlest bit, I think it's kind of advanced. Like I, I might, I probably wouldn't teach this at the very beginning, like let them develop good timing first, but especially uh, when we're talking about dealing against these types of blocks, they, they probably have, right? So this is something they can add in their, in their bag. Um, jump in, up or out, right? So everyone um, thinks that you have this one same jump all the time. Again, you, you don't necessarily have the same jump, like, especially with the high level. Now they're doing stuff where they, will run a quick and then jump to their left yep. or run a quick and then jump into the setter. And I think as attackers, we can do that. And, and your ability to do that will allow you to a not trap yourself and then b obviously deal a little more effectively against the block. So jump out in or up, right? So you can float to the inside set and run by the blockers sometimes. Or if you jump a little more up, you could hit a flatter. And if you're jumping out, you may be able to tool that outside edge. So there's kind of advantages to every, uh, every type of, jump there um this one was one that again i probably wouldn't recommend for the younger ones but as they get playing bigger blockers i just call it floating your contact point and it's like the idea of taking the ball earlier or like closer between you and the setter or just letting it go by you slightly and taking it a little bit closer to your outside shoulder so you can hit the line so you're either taking it early and you're beating the block on the inside or if they jump in you kind of let it go little bit by you and then you hit the line again slightly uh slightly advanced but tremendous benefit to that like if you're always taking it in the same spot they kind of can line you up right but if sometimes you can take it inside and sometimes you can let it drift by you again they're going to be more reaching and then you have the advantage where you can just hit the block
lock and get points. Um, oh, final two ideas here. Force the blocker to go to the edge of the court, right? So by that, I mean, and we were just you just mentioned this, if they only have to get to the middle of the court, they can protect a lot of things at once. But if you can force them to go all the way to the outside uh, of the court to try to block you, um, then they expose way too much other stuff and you can you can have the advantage. So for example, on the left side, if you're a right-handed attacker, if you can make them block you on your sharp angle versus block you in the seam, then if they're blocking your sharp, they can't take the line, right? But if they're blocking you seam, they can probably still take the line too and kind of cover the whole thing up. And that's when you feel like, oh, I can't score, right? Because they are, they're covering you up. But if you can use the whole sideline, et cetera, that could be a, a big advantage. Make the blocker do something good, not just stay in the middle of the court and block you. Um, of course, tooling. We both love tooling, right? I'm just a huge fan. Yeah. I think kids should try it. I think they're fearful of hitting the ball out a lot of times. So you got to create situations where they get comfortable um, hitting the ball out and trying to catch touches, right? And then the wipe. We have a kid that is amazing with the off, the uh, you know push into the block, wipe off. It's like literally our game point play. Like yeah. we, we just want to set the ball super tight yeah. and wipe it off the block. <laughs> um, so practice that. I mean, like a lot of a lot of it's not as satisfying to block. Well, a it's super frustrating to get the ball wiped off of you as a blocker, and b it's not as satisfying to block a tip. Right? It's satisfying when you roof a ball. That's when everyone gets yeah. all pumped up. Um, so if you can learn the wipe shot, I think that's a huge one. And then the the pros, you know, the big one they're doing now is the two-handed wipe, where they're just taking the ball with two hands and just throwing it off yeah. the outside and uh, super strong. Again, there's just so many options that if you keep your options open, you can be successful with it. I like it. Cool. I got one more. Please. and uh, You know, I've been watching a lot of video lately, and I notice that, our blocker or our attackers aren't really seeing the block. <laughs> yes, that's a good point. Yes. Sure. And that should have been point one. So some of that practice, and if, if we're going to tool the block, I, I think we often think of hitting off of outside edges a lot, which are riskier. But I want to get really good at the inside edge, at really hitting the seam when it's open. I like and that. can our hitters know when there is a seam and can they get it into that seam? Cause that ball that it's ripped into the seam that hits the edge of the block and then lands in the middle of the court where there oh, are no yeah. defenders. That for me is a great attack and there's low risk. Cause I'm not like I'm hitting it out of the outside hand. If I miss or I'm relying on error. the, That's I'm, I'm relying on the ref to call it. Right. So my first priority is, Hey, the seams open, rip it into the seam. I like that. And yeah. so that's why I'll leave you with that one. I like that. And then the other one, I just, I didn't mention this, but hit the moving blocker. Yep. Right. Well, that's the, that's it's ripping the it into the yeah, scene. The middle the is trying to. Yeah, the middle is trying to close or they're trying to dive. Yeah. I saw a bunch of these balls at the middle's block where the middle's not closed and the, the hitter sitting the ball cross court right into the middle, even though there's this huge scene. Right. <laughs> right. Well, it's fun. It's fun, you know. So Good stuff. I like it. So what is the scenario? It's a question. Is my offensive system a good fit for my personnel? Ooh, I like it. Okay. So that's a scenario. It's interesting. Let's start with a set 
a series of general questions to evaluate the current state of your team. Here you go. Okay. These are for you, Davis. I'm into this. Number one, how effective is my offense? What is our attacking efficiency mm -hmm. as a team? We talked about attacking efficiency, kills, minus errors, over total tax. Uh, if we look at it, the old batting average, 300 is great. 200 is okay. Below 200 probably isn't very good. And where are you there? And can we get that, you know, what is that number compared to my opponent's number? And, and can I raise that number? Uh, what are my individual attacking efficiency numbers? So if I have a team number, who are the hitters who are over that number? Who are the hitters that are below that number? And then when I look at those two numbers, I go, okay, now what is my set distribution? Uh, uh, are we setting the right, uh, do my best attack, are my best attackers getting the most number of sets? Right. This, this is a great one. It's so interesting because it's like always a function of passing, right? But can you get that, can you get that to happen is so key. I right. love it. Yeah. Uh, and then the other one that I, I stole from Chris Lamb, he's really big on this. He's a Wichita State's coach. I think the guy's brilliant. Okay. He is huge. He's all, what's your swing percentage? I'm all, what do you mean? He's all, no. How many times are you getting swings? And I go, oh, what should it be? He's all, well, you should be in the 90s. <laughs> you know, okay. nine out of every 10, you know, you should be attacking the ball. What's your number? And so is that, you know, uh, is our out of system offense really bad because we're not getting swings. We're giving the other team free balls. So that's a start with that kind of those general questions. Now for more advanced teams, I might have say your team and, and right now Davis has a, a talented 16, two team. Uh, what are your efficiency numbers for in and out of system attacks? I like so that. can we target one of those? Hey, we're doing pretty well out of system. I mean, our numbers are okay, but in system, they should be way higher. They shouldn't be the right. same. Right. Good point. Uh, what are my numbers by rotation? Do I have certain rotations where, hey, my two best attackers are in the back row, and all of a sudden, oh, that's why it's so low. And sometimes what we'll find is we get surprised. That's and we a good go, point. hey, yeah. we think that our two best attackers are in the back row. We're going to have a weak rotation, but it's not. Right. And yeah. why is that? And do we really know? Do we have the data to back up the things that are actually happening? Uh, if we're in a 5 1, are our two hitter numbers significantly lower than our three hitter numbers? And sometimes we think, oh, well, yeah, we're in two hitter, they're going to be lower, but sometimes they're not. And maybe idea. we have a great slide attack, or maybe we set back row and that person's efficient. Whatever those reasons are, do we know great before we start to make changes? Uh, and same thing if we're in a 6 2. Uh, is one setter's number significantly higher than the other? Yes. Now, real quick, these are just a stats question, just as I dive in, because yep. I love all these things. How are, how are you getting them? We, I know we've talked about stats, but just how are you personally breaking these things out? Well, in my high school team, you know, we have huddle and that takes okay. stats. So we have that, but we keep our attacking stats. Okay. And so we keep attacking stats during the game and we have them on the bench. But it's like these, with the 6-2 versus the setter versus setter, is that something that's a little more difficult to look at? Yeah, so those yeah. are a little more complex, okay. um, but those would be, you know, huddle stuff. We could do it in rotation. Okay. 
And then some stuff, hey, we're looking in practice and maybe we're flip-flopping setters and we're keeping track of that and going, hey, let's flip-flop and see uh, what are our numbers and practices when we flip-flop or is is one setter. Uh, And then, you know, we look at our hitters, you know, too, and we talk to them a little bit. Right. Yeah. So I think some of those stats are a little tougher than others. I think that's a great point. But Uh, it's good to know. It definitely is good to know. Sure. Yeah. Now we have a quick list of types of changes to make when we're saying, okay, now we're evaluating this offense. We look at some of these numbers. Uh, can we change the passing location or passing height? Is that a reason why? Is that something we can change? Can we change the setting system? Uh, maybe we go from, you know, a 5 1 to a 6 2. Maybe we, okay, uh, we're going to go to a 4 2 for my basic team and then go to the 6 2 maybe in free ball. Um, do we change like the that. types of sets? Do we say, wait a minute, this middle terminal, we got to slow down the middle set. We're just not setting it enough. Uh, do we add a pipe or something? Um, do we change positions? Do we move maybe a, a middle who's terminal to the outside? Uh, can we change setting distribution? Uh, pretty simple. Hey, we're going to set this player less and this player more. I like that. Uh, can we add a new play? Can we uh, bring in an outside to run a two? Uh, can we have some rotation one variations? And then lastly, and I think maybe uh, underutilized, can we just do a better job of practicing different kinds of attacks? Uh, can you be great with the lift tip? Uh, like, and yes, yes. do we practice that? And can it be disguised? And can we use it and use it at the right time? And we know when to use it. And can we score with it? Um, such a good point. So if we get in now some specifics, let's say for a weaker team, and and when I say weaker team, uh, they could still work for a stronger team, but it's focused on a weaker team. So uh, for me, my favorite one, use a front row setter instead of a back row setter. Yes. For weaker teams, hey, ball's tight, knock it over. We don't lose those. I don't have a worry about digging the ball high enough because my setters were in right back and not that fast. So use a front row setter. Find ways to set more balls to our best hitter. Um, For example, when I took over that 12s team years ago, our best attacker was a middle, but um, the system was a 6-2. And we were kind of in that gold medal dig high and off the net. And we weren't setting our best setter, who was this terminal middle. I said, no, we're going to a a 4-2. We're going to have our setter right front, pass it close to the net, and let's set our middle of every ball. And let's make sure. And she became the, the best hitter in SoCal. And that was yeah. the reason we, we meddled <laughs> so at the JOs is because we got the ball to her. Uh, use the middle of the court more on offense for, for younger teams. There's let you don't make mistakes. Do you mean the donut? Yeah. Well, I or mean like, the, the center of the court, okay. 15 by 15. People oh, talk about the I donut see. right over the block. And I'm saying, hey, hit the ball in the center of the court. I see what you mean. Because exactly. a lot of teams right. will have systems that don't make sense. And they won't have somebody in the middle of the court, even though they don't block very well. That's a good point. And so, once again, you can miss the ball by 10 feet for a beginning team if you're trying to aim for the middle of the court. And it's right. still in. Right. <laughs> That's a good point. <laughs> uh, hit to the setter more often. Okay. Yep. Uh, use more setter dumps for uh, younger teams. And teach them floor dumping yes. for younger teams. Uh, get more swings. Okay, so can we turn five free balls a set into attacks? And then get better at free ball offense. Uh, very cool. Nice. So those are things for lower level teams. Uh, stronger teams. 
can we speed up or slow down the offense? Can we go faster to the pins or slower to the pins? And maybe it's different with different hitters. Maybe you're into going fast, but there's a hitter who just, she can't, she's just more efficient with a higher set. Right. Yeah. And we just got to change. Can we specialize less? So can we take that, that middle attacker and go, hey, you're terminal. Even though you got to play middle, we don't have enough middles, but in this serve receive, you're going to hit left. Yes, I like that. Okay. Uh, can we add different sets to the offense? Can we get new a new set for the middle? So maybe you go quick, 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 quick. And as the season goes on, you go, we're going to run a back one now. And oh, yeah. can you add that or maybe add a three or a gap? Um, some of that float stuff you were saying where your middle kind of jumps out if you have an athletic kid. Can you add that set? Yes. So are things you can do to tweak that? Uh, can you put in, uh, can you have two different plays for every serve-receive rotation? Oh, this is cool. I like that. So you're in the time of your season now. Every, does every serve-receive have a little wrinkle I like besides that. what you normally do? Especially like teams that. that you you know, you know play or they scout. Um, like so you see those teams. Just the small littlest ad right here. I love to have it and then not do it until the very end of the game. Right, or, or match. after 20. Yeah, just wait, and yeah, or even like 18. Yep. And then as it goes to end game, they're thinking, well, is it inside or outside? You're like, yep. hey, you never know. <laughs> yep. Uh, put in special free ball plays by rotation. And once again, you think, hey, when we're in row two, we're gonna run this free ball play all the time. And it seems random to the other team, but it's in row two and you know that, and you, hey, we're in row two, remember the free ball play. Yeah, that's true. And then uh, I'm, I was watching some high-level club teams play, and, and after coming back from Japan, practice out of system setting and attacking more often with all players. We practice all this out of system setting with our liberos, but there's so many times when the liberos not doing the out of system setting, a middle's doing it, uh, you know, a middle back is doing it. There's all these times when different players are doing it. I love it. And the decision-making with that too. We mentioned this on a, on the pod yep. prior. That's such a good point. Make them think about who to set and, and just make a smart set and be aware of the scenario. Awesome. That's it. Oh man. Such a cool scenario. I really like it. That's awesome. So I guess we're on to some videos. Yep. Um, this week we have three videos that will be available on the art of coaching volleyball's website. The first one is by Mark Barnard and it's about tooling the block. We think tooling is a, important skill that can be practiced and is under practice, right? Mark Barnard does a great job teaching how to tool. The other two are by Jim Stone, and they both are about shot selection. The first is about five great choices that you have when you're thinking to attack. I think a lot of hitters go up and they think they have one thing to do and that's hammer the ball, <laughs> right? And I was guilty of that many times, but there's so many things you can do uh, more than five by, by far, but he simplifies it down to five and um, talks about that in this video. And then the final uh, video that we have this week is by Jim Stone. And it's just a lot of talking about shot selection as well against the block. But this is with the actual athletes demoing it. So really great uh, videos that are available on Art of Coaching Volleyball's website. We'll have those unlocked in, I'm sorry, we'll have those in the show notes and unlocked on the Art of Coaching Volleyball's website. So Good ones, I like it. We got. So what's our resource? We have a resource. So. A lot of teams uh, talk about reading a book together, and okay. one that comes up all the time is a John Gordon book called The Energy Bus. Yes. And uh, then it's a, so you can look at the book for this resource. It's a 10 Rules to Fuel Your Life, Work, and Team with Positive Energy. 
and John Gordon also has a pod. So uh, it's called Positive University. So uh, the podcast uh, will be in the show notes there. You know, he's, uh, you know, his books are super easy to read. Uh, you know, they're set up in little like parable stories, right? With, uh, you know, super uh, uh, easy to grasp for kids and real fast reads. Okay. So his stuff is good. Uh, and then he has a reminder. I'll uh, leave you with this one, Davis, you know, uh, wherever you go, there you are, right? So, hey, you go into a team, that's your team. Uh, can you make, what are you doing to add to that environment, add to that culture? Because you're there. And uh, rather than going, oh, my team is this or my team is that, hey, that's where you are. What are you doing to, to make it special? That is very cool. That is awesome. I, that sounds like a great resource. I have not read that one. I need to check that out. It's so easy read. You'll like it. Okay, very cool. So what a great episode. So um, feel free to check us out on our social network. We're on The Volleypod at Twitter, at The Volleypod on Twitter, and at AOC.TheVolleyPod on Instagram. Got some cool videos up there. And um, thank you so much, Todd. Appreciate it. Davis, fun again. Thank you. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye.